so we've been in this series uh, slowly, and I, and I emphasize the word slowly. In fact, today is going to go to a little bit of a crawl. Uh, next week, even more of a crawl. Um, we've been just going slowly through. Think of it like savoring, uh, I don't know, I don't know if you're like a meat eater, you, you get a good rib. And you just like savor it. Ah, oh, the barbecue sauce. You know, you just savor the goodness. That's what we're doing right now. We're just savoring the goodness of, of what, what Peter's uh, giving to us to consider to think about. Um, but the big idea is that he's writing to a community of people, Christians, uh, that are really trying to be loyal to Jesus, even in the midst of a very hostile culture around them. Again, if you're familiar with uh, what we've been looking at, uh, you know that the historical context is that Peter is writing to this community of people while they were under the, uh, the emperorship, I think that's the word, uh, the leadership, the rulership, the, the guy that was in charge, right? Um, the, the, the Caesar of the day was a guy by the name of Nero. Uh, he was a horrible dude, horrible dude on every level. Um, uh, he, he was known for burning down his own city, just trashing it, destroying it, and blaming it entirely upon Christians and Jews and others, uh, and then created kind of a, a, a fearful state and then started burning people and killing them, and, and it, was, it was absolutely horrific. Um, Christians, uh, a lot of times, bore the brunt a lot of that. And so Peter's writing this community of people uh, and trying to encourage them, like, stay faithful to Jesus. But one of the things that we've noticed over the past several weeks is that the way that he tells them to remain faithful is not by sharpening their sword and getting ready to fight or brawl or slaughter or kill or shed blood of their enemies, uh, nor is he saying get ready to run for the wilderness and, you know, stockpile all your goods and, uh, you know, become a doomsday, uh, what do you call it, you know, doom, what do you call it, doomsday, you know, doomsday, don't be a doomsday prepper, that's what he's saying. Don't be that either, because that's, that's not what God's called us to do either. His, his whole point is live within the culture. Don't become like the culture. And then he uses this phrase over and over again that we've been kind of harping on. Do good. And, and it's kind of coined a phrase from that. Um, I, mean, I don't know if I coined this or not, if I heard it from somewhere. Um, but the idea of being a goodness warrior or a revolution of goodness is kind of what I've been describing this. A revolution of goodness. Not a revolution of bloodshed, not a revolution of protesters, not a revolution of angry people out canceling everybody that they disagree with, but a revolution of goodness. It's radically different. In fact, I would even argue, where do you see this language vocabulary in the world today? Like, do, do we know anybody that, that's even kind of like a revolutionary for, for goodness? I mean, we may, there may be some, but this is the central heart, the central message. And I would even go so far as to say, is that if you're like, well, I know Christians that are jerks, and they're rude, and they're condescending, and they're prideful and arrogant. They're not good. They're everything but good. I would say, well, then at some point, there needs to be a realignment with what scripture teaches. And that comes through a process of repentance, confession of sin, realignment of our lives back to the way of Jesus, and then making sure that everything that we do gets lived through this grid called the gospel, which is played out through acts of goodness. That's what Peter's saying. Now, with that being said, I'm going to jump right in. I'm going to read uh, the passage. In fact, uh, how about we all stand and we'll just read verses 13 through 17, and then I will pray, and then we'll jump in and get to work, and then wrap it up with some final, hopefully encouraging thoughts. Peter says this, uh, the first few verses are just kind of a little bit of context, and then verse 17 is really what we're going to be focusing on. In fact, verse 17 is so rich and so full, um, we're actually going to take three weeks, you're welcome, on just that, that, that verse. You're like, how in the world can you get three full Bible studies out of it? Watch, we're going to do it. All right. Abracadabra. All right, number uh, verse 13, we'll start with this. Be subject to the, 
for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God that you, by doing good, should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Verse 17, honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. And this is the word of the Lord. And I want to pray right now, and then we'll just jump in and get to work. Jesus, we come to you right now with open hearts, and we just, we recognize, Father, we bring so much, oh, man, we bring baggage, we just admit that. We confess that. We bring baggage from our upbringing. We bring baggage from our own pain and trauma and hardships and fears and anxieties from false thoughts that we've had about you. We bring baggage of just ideas that we want you to be. We try to stuff you in a box, into a mold. And God, we, we bring even our, our own um, disappointments. We just lay it all here before you. God, thank you that even in this community of people that have a lot of baggage, you shower us with love. We ask you right now, Father, that you just show us your face, show us your grace, transform our hearts, make us into people that are like you. And we pray and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you all grab a seat, guys? Thanks. So, in looking at this bigger idea of goodness or revolution of goodness or being goodness warriors. Um, The big idea that this gets played out in a number of different facets. So there's six that we've been looking at. Um, We looked over the past couple weeks at the first three. So I'll just go through them real quick. Number one is the idea of subjection to every human institution for the Lord's sake. Again, listen to the message from a couple weeks ago. Uh, Secondly, which was last week, and third is uh, taking sin seriously. Thirdly, we act on the freedom that God gives us to do good. Today, we'll be taking a look at mainly number the fourth one, which is honoring everyone, including the emperor. That's really what I want to just focus our attention on right now is, is to really think about this idea of honoring everyone, including the emperor. Now, why do I say including the emperor? Because, again, if you just take a look at the passage, verse uh, 17, he kind of bookends this little final like uh, phrase with, with two words, honor uh, everyone. This is love the brotherhood, fear God. And this is honor the emperor, the exact same Greek word that he uses there that are bookended on either end of this. Now, some scholars think that this is sort of a summary statement of what he's been describing up to this point. Other scholars say probably not because there's other new stuff that's kind of included here. I actually agree more so with the latter that this is kind of a new series of admonitions or um, commands, if you want to think of it that context, uh, saying, here's, here's what you're to do. Uh, he basically gives three verbs and he says, living According to these three verbs, incorporating these three verbs into the activity, the action of your life, uh, will lead to what he describes as goodness, acting good, doing good. Um, And he says, as you do this, as you act according to this construct of goodness, uh, you will shine forth. You will live in such a way that will be very distinct from the rest of the world around you. And he goes on to even say earlier in the passage that we read that when people look at you and they, they accuse you of, of being evildoers, they're going to have to stop and look at your life but, and be like perplexed. Like, I don't, I don't get it. They, 
they're not in alignment with the culture at large, but there's something about them, there's something the way that they're doing it that just does not sync with the rest of the culture. You know what, who comes to my mind as a, as a sort of a modern example of this uh, is MLK. I mean, um, look, uh, during the civil rights movement, like he could have gone out there with, you know, torches and uh, violence and anger and, and, and civil disobedience in terms of bloodshed, but he chose a radically different route. And that activity was that, that activity alone caused the, the eyes of millions of people to watch their goodness. That's what it was. It was goodness that caught the, the attention of the world. That rather than going out there burning people down and destroying neighborhoods and mocking other people and politicians and cussing everybody out and just using vulgarities to make his point, he did, did something radically different. He just goes out and shows up. That was his protest. There's a markedly different way of being human that caused people to step back and be like, I don't know how to categorize this guy. He seems to be for the voice of blacks, but he's not acting the way that others might be acting that would seem to indicate fierce anger and violence. We don't know how to peg him. We don't know how to pigeonhole him. It's like he's doing good. That's, that's exactly correct. He, he did good. Uh, he, he was one that was actually devoted to the teachings of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. But the point that I want to really make is that this activity was something that was really important. This is, you know, Peter's thinking, envisioning people that in the midst of a world that's very hostile towards them, as they act in ways that reflect the nature of Jesus, who reflects the nature of God, they will do good even to those that are maybe in some cases doing evil or acting wickedly. And this is his whole big idea. So what I want to do right now is I want to, I I think it's important for us to kind of put some definition to some terms. And I don't want to just give like, you know, Webster's definition of, of good or of um, honor. Um, I want to try to anchor this as best as I can in the, in the Bible. Like how does the Bible use this word honor? And, and from just a periodic, uh, you know, survey of some passages, I think it'll help us to get a little bit of a definition as to what does Peter probably mean when he says honor. Again, because whatever Peter is saying to do has radically broad and, and maybe in some cases offensive implications for you and I. Because how, how broad is everyone, by the way? Everyone. Who, who does that exclude? That's what I thought. So, so whatever we're going to learn, whatever we're called to do has the potential of shocking and stunning and being really difficult for every one of us. In fact, I even go so far as to say every one of us should have our sensibilities offended. But that's what it means to be a Christian. Because if we have a God that never offends us, it's possible you're actually worshiping a God that was made in your image rather than vice versa. Meaning a God that is beyond us, outside of us, above us, beyond us, will oftentimes give us instructions that don't align with our, our inner child or our inner desires or our inner self, they'll be at conflict at some point. And this is where the wrestling match comes into play of who's going to win the wrestling match, God or myself? Well, Christian says, God wins. A secular says, I, I win all the time. I conform God. I force God into my likeness, into my image, and he becomes subservient to my desires and my whims and my longings. But logically, guys, I'll just throw this out, that that God, that God that we make in our image, 
is ultimately an impotent God. He cannot save you in the day that you need most saving. He may be convenient. He may make you feel good about yourself in the time being and when everything's peachy keen. But when moments get really tough and difficult and hardship and cancer strikes and divorce happens and all sorts of trauma begins to plague our lives and we find ourselves overcome by anxieties and uh, emotional challenges and hardships, that God can't save us because he's not really real other than right here or maybe right here or some combination of both. (laughs) So what I want to do right now is I want to take a look at this idea of honor. What does it mean to honor? has major implications. So I want to just first of all start with the Hebrew. The uh, Hebrew word for uh, honor that gets translated a lot is the word kavod. kavod. Uh, it's very similar to the other word kavod, which gets oftentimes translated as glory, if you're familiar with the Hebrew usage of this. I'm not going to spend most of my time just looking at the Hebrew, but I'll just make honorable mention of this word, uh, pun intended. Uh, Exodus chapter 20, verse 12 says, honor your father and mother. Honor your father and mother. We're familiar with that passage. Honor is the idea of, of showing uh, care, and in some cases, even giving money to, to mom and dad. So I mean, mom and dad, yes, amen to that one. But the big idea is, is taking care, showing honor. Um, I, I would say probably our culture has done a really good job at mastering dishonor towards mom and dad. Just watch Simpsons. Watch some of the, the best political commentary uh, of our world today that just make a mockery of mom and dad as being stupid. And kids are the ones that have the wisdom, that have this ability to think, outthink, mom and dad who are just sort of background noise that are more obstructions. Uh, again, this is where we begin to see some of the collisions between culture at large and popularity and the Bible that says, you know, honor, honor mom and dad. There's a culture, obviously, that valued the importance of honoring mom and dad. So that's all I'm going to say right now. I'm going to jump right into the New Testament. And the uh, Greek word for honor is the word tomao or tomeo, tomao, tomeo. Um, and there's at least three different ways in which this kind of plays out in, in, in the New Testament. I'll, just, I'll read some of the uh, selection of passages, and there's more I could choose from. I'm just going to choose these ones so you can kind of get a little bit of an idea of the flavor of how this word tamao uh, plays out. So Matthew chapter 27, verse 9, we see that it has this idea of assigning value to something. So when you assign value, uh, here's how it plays. Uh, then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, saying, and they took the 30 pieces of silver, uh, the price, tamao, of him who, uh, of whom a price, tamao, had been set. This is uh, a reference to when uh, Judas uh, was deciding how much to, to sell Jesus out for. Um, it's interesting that the text is saying how much, how much value was assigned to Jesus. 30 pieces of silver. I mean, the infinite one, just the, the irony of this is, is crazy. The infinite one was reduced to 30 pieces of silver by, by someone's evaluation. Again, not, not the Bible, but, but apparently Judas in his mind, like 30, Jesus is worth 30 pieces of silver. Just think about that. Um, but the big idea is value or valuation of something or someone. So second way this kind of plays in is this idea of support, financial, materially. Acts chapter 28, verse 10, uh, Paul would say this. He says, they also honored us greatly. And when they were about to sail, or this is Luke telling the story, uh, they put on board whatever we had needed. So this idea of, of, you know, Paul, Luke, and some of the others, they're, they're missionaries serving God. And you have these Christians that are, that are bringing, you know, whatever it is that they have, you know, rice or 
falafel or whatever it was, you know, money, and said, hey, we want you to be able to have, uh, you know, something to drink, something to eat while you're on board the ship doing whatever. And he uses the word tamao to say that that, that support was a way of honoring them, protect, providing for them. The third way that I think is probably used here uh, in our passage is the idea of respect, uh, which could mean like esteem, honor. The antonym to this would be uh, disrespect. So listen how Mark chapter 7, verse 6 says this, Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites. Uh, this people honors me, tamao, uh, with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Um, so it's possible to honor God. And what, what, would it, what would it look like to honor God with your lips, but yet your life? Life. That's kind of like what I was talking about earlier. I think, I think Western Christianity has done a really good job at, at kind of almost like as a factory, creating people that honor God with their lips, really good with that, which means what, what would that look like? I think it would look like coming to church on Sunday morning, singing the song for the rest of our day-to-day life and what rest of what we post on social media and the rest of what our lives are just about throughout the rest of the week don't really honor God with our, our lives. Uh, we don't show dignity, value, respect to the one that we bear his image. But, you know, in certain moments throughout our life, we, we honor him. We pay homage to him with our words. Um, that's a negative example. Take a look at John chapter 12, verse 26. It says, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. For where I am, uh, there will be my servants also. And if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Tama'o. Uh, this is, gets pretty awesome because what Jesus is saying is that, hey, uh, this is what it looks like to be my disciple, to follow me, to wherever I go, wherever I go, there are my, there are my people are. I mean, you, you're looking for like a definition. What does it mean to really be a Christian? This is it. Where's Jesus? There you are too. That's a Christian. Um, where's Jesus leading? That's, that's where we go. And Jesus says that as you follow me, as my servants, as my sons, as my daughters are following me, then he says, if anyone serves me, the Father, he honors them. Just think about that. Just pause and think about that. If you're a follower of Jesus, you know what that means? It means that God sees everything that's going on in your life. Not in some, some sort of weird, like, cosmic, voyeur way, but as a, as a, in a way of a father. He loves you. He knows what you're facing. He knows the decisions that you're having to try to work through and navigate. He knows those relationships that are strained, and yet you are still consistently trying desperately to honor and obey and love him by not only obeying him, serving him, but also showing honor to others. And he knows how hard that might be for some of you. He knows the sacrifices that you make. And here's what Jesus says. As you follow me, even those places that are really tough and hard and difficult, the Father, he honors you. Man, this might be a word for some of you right now. This is what you need to hear today. Because maybe for some of you, you tend to think of God as consistently, eternally disturbed with you. Constantly just on edge with you. Just constantly frustrated with you. You are constantly just nothing more than a nuisance and an annoyance to him. But what Jesus is saying is that as you follow him, the Father actually honors you, bestows upon you just value and dignity. He loves you. So, uh, in summary, uh, sorry, go back. Here we go. Uh, Honor in the Bible is assigning value. It's kind of a summary statement of all that we just read. Honor in the Bible is assigning value, showing material support, and or uh, respect to those whom it's due. Which leads me to my next question. As to, so who, who is it really due? <laughs> I think this gets kind of to the heart of the matter. Like who actually is deserving of honor, right? Is that a fair question? Right? 
Some of you are like timid. You're like, I'm not really sure what to say. Is this a trick? No, it's not a trick question. Um, but it will be tricky to definitely implement, right? Um, like, like who is actually deserving, worthy of honor? Well, the way that you answer that question is actually going to uh, reveal, number one, how you identify yourself. And then secondly, uh, the cultural persuasions that you tend to be most loyal to. Now, I, I, would be, I would venture to bet that every one of us in this room have different cultural persuasions that we are loyal to. And I know this because, you know, I, I watch some of y'all on, on Facebook and social media. That is a weird stalker, but I just, you, you, you pop up every once in a while. I'm like, okay, they, they definitely lean left. They definitely lean right. They definitely lean politically in this ether world. And, and, and that's the fact. And there's nothing wrong with having certain political persuasions. The challenge comes when we make that our ultimate identity and our ultimate influence. So my question for you is, is maybe put it another way, the, the way to identify how you would identify most significantly in this world and how you, you would be most influenced will be traced up the stream to determine in your mindset who deserves honor and who deserves to be disrespected. Okay, so here's a fun little example. Let's take, for example, Roman culture. All right? If you lived in Rome and you were living first century, you were not a Christian, you were not faithful, loyal to Jesus, you were just a, an average, normal, Joshmo Roman that you know, walked the streets of wherever it is that you walk, whatever part of the empire is, is there, and there you are. Um, what you would value is you would value power, you would value greatness of soul. Uh, this comes from Cicero and Stoicism. You would uh, value a valor. These would be things that you would value. So in other words, if you saw someone that was valiant, right? They had greatness of soul. You'd be like, ah, oh, give them honor, give them respect. It, but that would also mean that anybody that comes across as weak or as a coward, you disdain. Why? Because you identify as Roman. And you're influenced by Cicero and Plato and other writers and thinkers and uh, world-shaping constructs of, of your day. That, that's how you would think. All right, that's, uh, uh, here's another fun one. This is a freebie. It's not up on there. It's, if you were a Viking, I, I, I like Vikings. Vikings are kind of cool. I wish I could grow a big Viking like red beard, but I can't. I, I can, but I don't. I choose not to. Anyways, uh, I digress. Um, Vikings were actually marked by these things called the 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 nine noble virtues. Nine noble virtues. All right, here, here they are. I'll, I'll just give them to you. These these literally nine noble virtues is what shaped everything in terms of their value system. So you want to you want to become, uh, you know, an influencer in in Viking culture. Um, you 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 don't want to do the opposite of these. You want to do these things. Number one, courage. Truth, honor, fidelity, dis- discipline, hospitality, industriousness, self-reliance, perseverance. All right, I just went through this quickly. But you get the idea that, let's say, for example, you're like, oh, I really want to be a Viking. I really want to be part of the tribe and be accepted. I can't grow a big beard, but maybe, maybe I can show some degree of, of uh, courage. Let's say you show up and you go to battle and you step away from the, from the front. Or let's say that you, rather than showing fidelity or faithfulness to your, to your clan, you betray them. Um, that's, that's a great way to, be, to, to get an ax in, in your body somewhere, right? All right? Like you, you will not last long on the food chain in that concept, construct, all right? Um, because you, you violated the honor code. That's just the way it works. I also think about New York, all right? Um, I, I, I've never lived in New York, but I've heard enough 
things that come from New York that I think these are some of the values that shape New Yorkers, right? Success, hard work, and sexual virility. Uh, hard work, man. You want to work really hard. You want to have success. You want to have some, something to show. You wear nice clothes. Uh, you're also very sexually active. It's part of the landscape. So let's say, for example, um, you show up as a New Yorker. You're like, I want to be accepted in the crew and the tribe. And you're lazy and you're constantly failing and you're still a virgin. You're just a loser, dude. That's all. You're, you're going to be viewed as a failure on every level. You will get no honor whatsoever from anybody. I hope I'm making my point. You guys get it so far? So let's ask the question, um, what about a Christian? What about a Christian? Because this is where it gets really personal, and I want to finish with some final thoughts. Well, for a Christian, Peter says, honor everybody. Who's excluded? Apparently nobody. Who's included? (laughs) Everybody. What I want you to see more than anything, this is a clash of worldviews. And if you're trying really hard to like synthesize Christianity with the modern construct in the world, with your leftist ideology, or with your rightist ideology, or your conservatism, conservatism, or your liberal construct, if you're trying hard to synthesize all of this, you will consistently find yourself frustrated. They don't coincide with each other. They're not intended to. A Christian is one who is called to be outside of that, to look at things in a very vastly different way. And again, you can be frustrated right now. I I hope you're not, because what I'm just trying to tell you, these aren't my words. Your problem is actually with Peter, who has authoritative voice in the the church. (laughs) So I'm just just trying to tell you. I'm trying to be as faithful as I can. Now, I I admit there may be things I'm missing, but I'm just trying as faithful as I can to tell you what the text is saying and just read it through with you and point out other passages and try to gain my understanding as to what the word honor means, not by my own subjective opinions, but from what Scripture teaches and just let the Scripture kind of form and formulate our ideas of what honor is, and then just simply say, whatever this honor definition is that's, that's, that's emerging out of the text, whatever it is, this is what Peter says we're to show towards everyone, including the emperor, who's crazy, who's very crazy. I'm going to say something probably shouldn't, but very crazy, and yet you're to honor him. Peter's writing. Now, I don't know how this strikes you. I don't know how you think about this. Because I can think of a lot of people right now in my mindset that just make me mad, frustrated. I I don't want to dishonor, or I don't want to honor. I I want to dishonor. Like, Like, that's my natural instinct is just dishonor, frustration, just spew venom, frustration, anger, whatever. Um. Again, I, I, I am not called to identify as, as an American, as my primary agency, or as left, or right, or conservative, or liberal, or Republican, or Democrat, or, or how, whatever tribe we are tempted to choose or forced by the culture to say, you, you've got to decide. You've got to figure this out. You've got to identify as one. The binaries are right there. They're, those are your options. And I, as a Christian, I say, no, I, I, I'm, I'm in exile from all of these. And I want to be faithful to Jesus. 
which means I'm invited to live according to the instruction of Peter, which he uses this verb, honor, all people, including the emperor. I want to read a little passage out of the book of James. I'm going to wrap it up with some final thoughts. James actually wrote this. He says, my brothers, show no partiality. James chapter 2, verses 1 through a handful of other passages. He says, my brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For a man wearing a gold ring, for if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes to your assembly, and then a poor man in shabby clothing comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears fine clothing, say, hey, well, how about you sit over here in this great place while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or you sit at my feet. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? The word judges is this idea of like showing honor, dishonor towards others. And then he says in verse 8, he says, If you really fulfill the law according to Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin. The big idea is that he's saying that, look, as followers of Jesus, we are not to show partiality. We're to honor all people. So that, that's why that becomes problematic in, in a church congregation that just says, we're just going to like highlight and show kindness to you. Remember the names of the people that drive nice cars and wear nice, nice clothing, but the homeless person that just comes in off the street, we're not even going to help them out or even show them to the bathroom because they they're not going to offer anything. New Testament writers would say that, that's, that's in alignment with the world's views. That's not how God shows honor and love. That's why it's a problem. And so we're always constantly invited to realign our values with the values of God's kingdom. Lastly, I want to show you a little picture, but before, don't show it yet. But before we do, I, want, I just want to prep you for this because um, th- this might be triggering for some. So uh, if, if it is, you might want to close your eyes. But um, I, I just want to say that this image is, it came to my mind as I was kind of processing and prepping for this. I was just thought, you know what? Who are people that we're called to show honor to. Well, if, again, if Peter says everyone, like literally, that's literally what the word means, everyone. Then that means that there's going to be people that I'm going to have some significant problems with or challenges with. But again, this idea of somehow showing honor, respect, or value. But why? The big question is why? Well, according to the New Testament, according to Jesus, according to the writers of the entire scripture, is that this one central theme consistently keeps coming back over and over and over again. The one reason why values have shown to all is simply because all bear God's image. All bear God's image. Not just the select few, not just the elite, not just the great ones, not just the successful ones, not just the ones that are sexually virulent and powerful and robust, not just the ones that have big muscles and biceps, not just the ones that have six-pack abs, not just the ones that can fit into a skinny bikini, not just the ones that drive nice cars, not just the ones that have good nice houses and lots of money and cash flowing out of their hands and a front grill on their teeth. Not just those ones, but all people. And that means that some of those people that are going to make that list might be criminals, offenders, evildoers. This is, this, look, I'm not going to lie. This is a tough teaching. Okay, so here, here we go. Let's see who all people are. All people. All people. For some of you, you're like, I can't believe that guy's face is on there. I get it. I get it. All people. I'm, and I'm, again, I'm not saying this is easy teaching. I'm just trying to be faithful to what Peter's trying to say. 
hand it to you and to all of us and to say, maybe we need to reconstruct our understanding of God and realign it with, with how God invites us to see the world. I want to finish with just one final thought, or actually four, but I'm going to go through these real quickly. <laughs> um, so why should we show honor to everybody, including the emperor? Here we go. Number one, because um, it's a command. Peter uses these three verbs. It's a command. Number two, humans all bear God's image. All. And that's the democratizing reality of the gospel. There's no hierarchy in terms of human dignity or value that some tend to prop up themselves higher than than others. All people bear God's image. Number two, or number three, God's ordained government will ultimately be the agent for punishing wrong. And what I, again, I think Peter's been saying is that, look, there is a governmental system that's in place by God to punish evil. Because our tendency might be saying, well, there's some people that were on that list that were horrible human beings. I agree. I think we can all agree. They're horrible human beings. They did horrible wrongs. But what I think Peter's saying is that it's not your job, it's not my job to go out and murder them. That's government's job. Or to put them in the right place. Or to put them in jail forever. Or whatever, however the law deems fit to do it. At some point, the entire judicial law empire system will be under the judgment of God. That's what he's saying. And then fourthly, Jesus ultimately modeled all this. Jesus honored all people. You say, well, there are times that Jesus seemed to be pretty, like, Strict and harsh with some people. Yes, it's correct. I want to make a very clear distinction. There's a distinction between goodness and niceness. Don't get them confused. A lot of Christians hear good as being like, so we're supposed to be out on and in the world. It's hostile towards us to be a bunch of like goody goods. No. We're supposed to, I mean, nice people, like just nice for everyone. The fact is that we're supposed to be good. Jesus was always good. And there were times when Jesus used his goodness and ways to confront and combat evil institutions. And I think there's a way that we can do it as well. So lastly, as we close, I want to invite us all to stand. And what I want to do right now in conclusion is uh, I'm gonna, we're going to sing a brief song as we close. And then we're just going to partake of communion. Uh, we have the elements in the front and in the back. Uh, and if you would like to join with us as we sing... Uh, we'll finish up, then we will partake of communion together. And uh, we'll, I'll say some words on that in just a moment. But what I want to do right now is I want to just invite you to pray with me. Because again, I realize for some of us that this, this may be a, a tough teaching, maybe really tough. Um, and the implications of it are, are, are pretty huge because it, it will call us maybe to rethink how we conduct ourselves in the places of our world. It might even call in the check of, our online presence, like how do we act in, you know, social media and spaces like that where there's a tendency for Christians to just be caustic and corrosive, just angry, just ranting, anger and vile. It's the opposite of goodness. Honestly, it takes greater strength, greater strength to do good than to just spew venom. You know that. And I think 
all of us in our heart of hearts, we know it takes an incredible amount of strength to say, I'm going to restrain my tongue as much as I just want to go crazy and unleash venom. I want to show kindness and goodness. So I'm going to pray. Uh, if you would like to receive the communion elements, they're, like I said, in the front. You can go ahead and leave your seat and go grab them and go back to your seat. And we'll all partake together and we'll call it a uh, day. So let me pray and then let's sing. Let's receive and then we will partake together. Jesus, thank you for your love. And God, we acknowledge the fact that every single one of us, all of us, we have been at some point in our lives offensive to you our lives have not been in harmony with yours and yet God the way that you acted to each one of us was not dishonor but you honored us you picked us up you dignified us you humanized us you found us in the trenches on the floor in our brokenness in our tears and you loved us that grace, Lord, that we we not only need afresh, anew, every day, maybe even in this moment right now, but we want to emulate in our lives through acts of goodness.